your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. What's up, Bills Mafia? Happy Thanksgiving. I'm your host, Mike Lindsley, here on the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Hey, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review the network, and of course, get us all over social media. Subscribe to the YouTube page, Built in Buffalo. Uh, hit us on Twitter at Built in Buffalo underscore. We got the Instagram rolling, we got the Facebook rolling, uh, builtinbuffalonews.com. Articles, content every single day, seven days a week. Audio, video uh, and articles uh, coming your way to cover our beloved Buffalo Bills. So let's get into a couple of things here with the Bills. Uh, I'm going to give you kind of some of my thoughts on the Browns game and then kind of preview um, the game uh, tomorrow uh, against the Detroit Lions. And it, it's really something, isn't it? Like, I mean, the Thursday thing comes around so fast when it's just Thursday night football. Now we have a game at 1230 you know, right away. I mean, it's like you basically wake up and get your day started, start prepping for all that food you're going to eat, and then ba-boom, kickoff at uh, at 12.30. So um, a couple of quick thoughts on the Cleveland Browns game. I mean, I think number one, you just kind of have to look at, and this is in no particular order of importance. I'm just going to go through a list of things, um, you know, that I have on my mind. I think number one, when you think about the circumstances, you know, and the challenges for the Bills, um, you know, they got three, four, five, six, almost seven feet of snow in some areas like Hamburg. Uh, Orchard Park got just absolutely bombed with snow. Um, you know, and the Bills, you know, had a really weird practice schedule. Uh, they weren't able to practice fully like normal. Uh, players had trouble leaving their houses. I mean, Deion Dawkins, the story there was unbelievable. Uh, Josh Allen made sure to, you know, have CBS mention, you know, uh, his, his, his neighbor who got him out. Um, you know, there were stories all over the place and you probably saw all of them on social media. Uh, so when you kind of take that into consideration and you take into consideration that Josh Allen has played a couple of bad games in a row, the bills have played a bad, probably 10 quarters in a row, um, you know, going into this game and then you had to turn, you know, you had to go right to Detroit. Uh, you know, this was, this was a challenging week for the bills. And, um, you know, Sean McDermott says, Hey, that's what we do. We're the Buffalo bills. Well, Let's see here what they do moving forward. But as far as this game was concerned, I, I thought that the Bills, you know, really gave you nothing in the first quarter. And then they just started to turn it on a little bit. And, you know, really, uh, they didn't play an A game by by any stretch of the imagination. Don't get me wrong. But I thought that they played maybe like a B, B minus game. And against a Cleveland Browns team that was a top five offense going in, they have cornerstone players uh, all over the roster. I mean, when you look at, Nick Chubb, who the Bills shut down 14 carries and 19 yards, you know, they shut him down and then allowed, you know, hey, Jacoby Brissett, go and beat us. Now, Jacoby Brissett went 28 of 41 for 324 yards and three touchdowns. He did not, you know, throw an interception. Uh, the Buffalo Bills only sacked him one time. So he was making some things happen. It's just that what happens is when you shut down Chubb in that offense, Brissett's got to put up between 30 and 40 points, and that's just not possible. He just can't do that. He can work a drive, but you know, getting into the red zone, making that extra play on third down, all of those things are things that guys like Jacoby Brissett cannot do. 
Matt Ryan now, Carson Wentz, right? Those are the things that Mahomes does, Allen does, Lamar does. Um, you know, th th this team, this team cannot. Um, you know, they they can't they can't finish off drives and, and make the important plays because they have Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Now he's decent. He he's a solid backup. He's a really good athlete, but you know, he's not going to go out there and score, you know, help you score 30, 35, 40 or more points. And so the Bills defense, you know, they hung in there and, and did what they had to do. And, um, you know, this game was 13 to 10 at the half. You kind of felt the momentum going uh, Buffalo's direction after that much needed drive uh, at the end of the second quarter. And obviously the laser from Allen to Diggs, he ran a great route. You know, he kind of went out and all the way around, you know, the, 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 the back line there of the end zone. Uh, the corner kind of froze, like, oh, should I go to, I think he might be going to the outside. Nope, there was no safety help up. Oh. And then Diggs is wide open. And, uh, you know, Allen, Allen hit him. And, you know, we saw that exchange on the sideline between McDermott and uh, Diggs. And it looked like Diggs was kind of raising the shoulders and he was kind of getting ticked at, you know, either not getting the ball or the play calling or both. Um, you know, McDermott calmed him down and, and you heard Diggs post game, you know, talk about how, uh, you know, McDermott helps, you know, keeping things level-headed and all the rest. But after that drive, you had to have felt pretty good if you're the Buffalo Bills, right? You're up 13-10 at the half. You're getting the ball back. Finally, the Bills won a toss, and they deferred. That's my favorite. Uh, Tyler Bass nails a 56-yard field goal. You're up six. The Bills, again, great defense throughout the entire quarter. They shut Cleveland down. Um, they really shut them down in the second and third quarters, respectively. I mean, Cleveland scored three points in the second, zero in the third. They came back to score 13 in the in the fourth. Uh, you know, the last one I thought was kind of a garbage time touchdown. Although, Cleveland, if they had kicked the onside and recovered it, and we saw Gabe Davis out there with struggling with that bad hop, I think Micah Hyde probably swallows that one up in a heartbeat. But, um, you know, if they recover that score and then get a two-pointer, it's a tie game, right? So for, for as well as the Bills played, uh, for, for as much as they turned it on, um, you know, shutting them down in the second and third quarters, uh, getting a great ground game, and I'll get that, uh, you know, to that in a minute. Um, you know, for all that, Cleveland, you know, still kind of was there, right? It was only an eight-point game. Um, anyway, 22-10 um, after the Devin Singletary five-yard run. Then the Bills, again, great defense for well over half of the fourth quarter as well. They got a lot of stops, and they got two Tyler Bass field goals, and then Cleveland marches down nine plays, 75 yards in just over two and a half minutes for an Amari Cooper seven-yard pass from Jacoby Brissett. That made it 28-16. to The Bills get it back. They score a field goal, 31-16. Uh, Peoples-Jones uh, with a two-yard pass from Jacoby Brissett, and then the uh, extra point this time, uh, the two-point conversion before had failed, and uh, they kicked the extra point to, uh, to get it to 31-23 at that point but it was too little, too late under 20 seconds. Um, you know, they kicked the, the, the onside kick. It, it went out of bounds, and the Bills, um, you know, won the game. And I just was very impressed with the Bills being able to adjust, uh, being able to adjust to, you know, a bunch of adversity, a lot of challenges with the snow and the practice schedule and everything that I mentioned before. Um, they, they came out sluggish. You could see it. Uh, the, the, the Browns marched right down on them, but then it was adjustment city. The Bills made most of them uh, at halftime as well and um, really controlled the football game from there on. And, you know, he took the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. Now, I did a video on this earlier in the week. It is hard to balance Josh Allen. Now, what do I mean by that? Josh Allen 
you want him sometimes to be Josh Allen, right? Put the cape on, you know, be Superman, and go win the football game on his own. We've seen him do that countless times on the big stage. We've seen him do it in the postseason. He deserved better in Kansas City last year. He had an unbelievable game. He 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 probably had like a near perfect playoff performance between you know the New England game and the Kansas City game and deserved better. Um, we've seen him in many many spots deliver when it's you know the most important time, fourth quarter, all that kind of stuff. This guy is a great player. However, with him struggling and all that, the Bills clearly went in going, okay, we got two things going on in this game. One, uh, Josh Allen's been struggling. Two, Cleveland has a horrendous, despite the fact that they have Miles Garrett, they have a horrendous run defense. And the Bills exposed it. And the offensive line was fantastic. They ran it for 171 yards. I was so impressed with the spacing and also the legs and footwork and concentration of Devin Singletary and James Cook. They were fantastic. Uh, you know, some garbage yards for Allen, three for, you know, three carries, seven yards. Um, you know, Naheem Hines hasn't really gotten into the offensive flow since the Bills acquired him. And I'm not sure, you know, kind of what the direction is for Hines moving forward outside of the punt return and kick return game. Um, I think they might maybe work him into the slot tomorrow against Detroit. Obviously, McKenzie has given him nothing. Jamison Crowder is out for the year. So uh, this is a, you know, a, a situation where, you know, Naheem Hines is fast as hell. And I'd love to see him in a more, um, you know, prominent role in the offense. Um, but with that ground game came, you know, some play action stuff, um, you know, some short stuff, take what the defense gives you type of stuff. Uh, Josh Allen missed a bunch of people in the beginning of the game. He missed some wide open players. Uh, he had digs many times wide open. He had, uh, you know, some, some things happen to him as well with drops and such. But, uh, once the Bills started to establish a run game and utilize, you know, some of that smart passing in space, uh, expose the Cleveland defense for what it is in terms of starting to beat him with the run. And then with the pass, they were guessing all over the place. And that allowed Dawson Knox, I thought, to have a really great game with seven catches and 70 yards. Uh, Gabe Davis, five catches, 68 yards, had a very nice game, solid game. Um, you know, almost almost made that one circus catch one-handed there, and we know that he's done that in the past, you know, tippy-toeing against the sidelines and all the rest. Remember a couple of years ago when he did that in the postseason multiple times. So, um, you know, this is a nice uh, game again for Davis. Now this is a couple in a row for him, right? Uh, Stephon Diggs, four catches, 48 yards, and a touchdown. Had that absolute laser catch uh, from Josh Allen that was, was really desperately needed. Um, so you take that, that all day long. Uh, Diggs, you know, I still feel like Diggs is probably being underutilized. I just feel like Stephon Diggs is unstoppable, man. I mean, I feel like you could just go back, boom, quick slant him four to six yards. He stumbles forward for nine to 12 yards, and you could do that all day long. Um, Cleveland clearly was taking him out of certain, you know, plays, and also, Allen missed him a couple times, but, you know, neither here nor there. Uh, they didn't need him to perform in a 100-yard game, um, you know, to, to, to win this game. Um, Knox, Davis, Diggs, Singletary, you know, spreading the wealth out for Josh Allen. Um, on the defensive side of things, again, as I mentioned, they did not intercept the ball, and they did not, um, you know, well, they had one sack. Uh, there was the fumble, um, obviously, that Matt Milano recovered um, 
from Jacoby Brissett, and, and I thought Matt Milano was the best defensive player on the on, on the field. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Twelve total tackles, eight solo, uh, one sack, and um, he had the tackle for loss and the fumble recovery. I mean, are you kidding me? This guy was a monster, and I don't think you can argue it right now. I know Von Miller can be the difference maker in the end, but he's 33 years old, and Von Miller didn't really play that great of a game. The consistency of Matt Milano, it all comes down to the health. When he's healthy, he's probably the most important player on that defense. And by the way, he did all that without his running mate in Tremaine Edmonds. Those two guys play off of each other so well. Edmonds in the middle, Milano on the edge, doing his thing, stopping the run, you know, creating turnovers, ball hawking, uh, disguising, spying. Uh, Milano covers it all, man. He checks all of the defensive uh, boxes for an off-ball linebacker. He's a phenomenal player. And again, he's got to stay healthy for that to happen. I thought Tyrell Dodson was fine. I thought he was really good. 13 tackles, nine of which were solo. Um, you know, obviously he was filling in, a, 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 you know, big shoes with, with Tremaine Edmonds, right, um, being out. Uh, Taron Johnson uh, was getting burned a little bit in the beginning of the game, but then I thought really turned it on um, and, and made some really good stops and tackles and, um, you know, did a nice job across the middle of the field. Ed Oliver was active. Jordan Poyer, just so great to have him back. That guy is a monster as well. Um, you know, always around the ball, the knockdowns, um, the leadership. Uh, you can just count on Jordan Poyer, man. I mean, that's what it boils down to. You can count on him. You know, he's like that great friend when you're going through a tough time in life. You know that person's going to call you, right? Jordan Poyer is going to call you back. He's going to call you and take care of you. I mean, that, he's just such a great player. Uh, some of the corners, I thought, eh, kind of like Taron Johnson in the nickel. You know, I, I thought that, you know, Dane Jackson was getting burned quite a bit. Benford burned quite a bit in the beginning. I thought he improved as the game went on. Um, and the Bills had a lot of nice inside uh, games. They didn't show up in the box score because there wasn't anything overly impressive. It wasn't like multiple sacks or stripping and fumble, you know, recovering fumbles and all that. But they played sound up front in terms of stopping Nick Chubb. And that was Tim Settle. You know, that was... At Oliver, that was Boogie Basham, who played a ton of reps with AJ Epinesa out, right? And it's going to happen again tomorrow because AJ Epinesa is not going to be in the in the in, in the lineup. Uh, Jordan Phillips, man, I am so excited for the rest of the year for Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson, our old friends who returned to Buffalo. What a great move that was by Brandon Bean. He strikes again in terms of getting those two guys back to Buffalo and getting them in this defense that they really know, they really love. And Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott are using these guys to a T, and it's been really fun to watch. You could make an argument that outside of Matt Milano and maybe like Tremaine Edmonds and Jordan Poyer, right? I mean, Micah Hyde's injured, but outside of those guys, you could argue even you know Phillips and Lawson is important as like Von Miller at this point. Like you really, you really could argue it because they have just delivered over and over and over again this season. Um, I just thought it was a really good, complete, you know, all phases of the game, adversity fighting win for the Buffalo Bills, uh, an adjustment win. Uh, they ran, you know, ran the ball. I think Josh Allen is going to uh, go off against the Detroit Lions, and that brings me to the Thanksgiving kickoff with the Bills and the Lions. Um, I don't know if I love the Bills being on Thanksgiving, Um 
you know, I, I, I kind of like my Sunday one. Sunday one o'clock is my favorite, obviously, because you can watch the game. Uh, you know, you're done with the game by four something. Uh, you don't have to stay up late. You're not distracted by, you know, eating food. You know, you don't want to be antisocial, but if you work in our industry, you, you have to work, you know. So um, I'm planning on, you know, trying to figure out a way to kind of get that NFL app going until I'm, I'm done eating probably uh, and, and, and doing a little bit more than glancing, you know, but I don't want to be rude. Um, but, it, it, you know, we got to talk about it. So it's hard to, it's hard to talk about something when, you're, when you don't see it. Um, the Lions are a team that right now, uh, I, I, I'm just going to go through some keys to the game. I mean, this is a team that is playing really, really good football. They're playing the best football of the season. And if you remember last year, this team was the best, worst record team in the entire NFL, right? And this year, you know, at one and six, we were all kind of like, wow, like I thought that they were going to be better with Dan Campbell and you look at these losses. They lost by three to Philadelphia in Week One. Okay, oh, they're maybe yeah, they're going to be better. They, you know, they beat Washington. You're like, whoa, one and one. Then they lose five games in a row, four points to the Vikings. They got they got beat by only three to Seattle. They got blown out at New England, blown out at Dallas, and only lost by four to Miami. Uh, but the record said one and six. Well, since then they've beaten Green Bay at Bears at Giants. That was a huge win for them. And this is a good football team. They have. Uh, not a good football team. They're a solid, tough football team. Tons of physicality. They've got a ground attack, and that's where I think the Bills, you know, I think they need to key in the same way that they did, you know, against uh, the Cleveland Browns in terms of, you know, having these guys stop Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. They're two very good runners. Uh, they're both, uh, I guess, combined yards would be what, over 900 uh, they're very, very good in the red zone, too. I mean, they have 15 combined touchdowns. 12 of them are from Jamal Williams. So I think they've got to stop the run. And then what happens from there is you got to pressure Jared Goff. We saw Leslie Frazier in certain spots last week against Jacoby Brissett. He brought a couple of disguise blitzes. My favorite one was the one where the corners were converging on Brissett. It was Milano on the right, Taron Johnson on the left. Both guys got in there awfully fast. I want to see that a couple times against Jared Goff. Because if you look at the numbers with Jared Goff, Jared Goff, when he's getting protection and he's back there sitting, hanging out, eating a ham sandwich, he's got all kinds of time, he can deliver some strikes. And he's got some offensive playmakers right now in terms of, um, you know, uh, St. Brown, who, who, who is really just, uh, I think, had a pretty nice year here. A great athletic player. Um, you know, he can dump it off to the running backs. He can do a lot there. And, you know, he's, he's got some players who, uh, you know, who, who, who he can, you know, he can count on to catch the ball, you know? And I think if the bills can stop the run, I think that they're going to give Jared Goff a lot of problems. This is a guy who has thrown seven interceptions on the year. He has 15 touchdowns. He's got 2,400 plus yards, but you know, he, he holds onto the ball sometimes too long. He's been sacked, uh, uh, 15 times and sack for lo a loss, uh, 110 yards. So um, you can get to him, you can pressure him, you can frustrate him, you can, um, you know, make him throw some picks and make some mistakes. And I think that that's kind of the, um, you know, that's kind of the MO here for the Bills uh, up against Detroit uh, in this football game. Uh, another big key, I think, for the Bills is to continue that balanced offense. 
I do think Josh Allen, uh, you know, up against a, a Lions defense, it really is not very good. I mean, I just listed some of the scores that, you know, they've had this year, the amount of points that they've let in. Um, but th- th- this game, I think Allen kind of goes off a little bit. I mean, I think we're going to get, you know, big stage prime time Josh Allen in this game. I think he's going to be, uh, you know, really, really ready, really, really excited to play. Um, we know that this week the, 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 you know, the wrist protector there, uh, the brace came off. It was because he was doing some non-contact on Tuesday. Um, but this is, you know, this is going to be a challenge for the Bills because of the continued adversity and the challenges. Uh, even though Detroit's only about an hour and 10 minute flight, I, I read a few different places that somebody said it was like 38 minutes. So I texted that to my buddies and now I don't know what they're probably thinking about it, but Hey, uh, hour, hour and 10, however long it takes. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, they got back to Buffalo Sunday night, about eight twenty, Right. But then you got Monday, Tuesday, boom, back Wednesday, got to get right back there, fly back there. They close the same hotel, right? They're going to stay at the same place. Um, you know, that they stayed, uh, I think on what Saturday night, it would have been, uh, in Detroit, uh, you know, stay there on Wednesday night. But here's the great advantage. If the Bills can go to Detroit and win this game and, you know, do it rather convincingly. I mean, I really would like to get back to winning convincingly. I know people want them to win, you know, the close games and they got to battle adversity. But once in a while, you want to get just kind of a blowout, right? I'd love to see them win by like three scores, um, give Allen some rest and some others. And then what happens, you see, is because it's a 12-30 game, this game will be over by 4 o'clock. The media sessions will be done, and they will be showered by 5, 5.30, and they will be on that plane probably between 6 and 6.30, and they will get back to Buffalo between 8, 8.30 again. And what that means is now you're back into your own place, your own domain, 8.30, your own bed, your own homes, all that stuff. And guess what? You play the Patriots the next Thursday, but you have a full week to prepare for that. You know, short week, not this time. You're going to have a full week to prepare after you already dealt with the short week in terms of getting back to Detroit to play the Lions. You're going to have a full week to prepare for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I like that a lot. You've got, you know, every single night, every single day, one Bill's drive, you're right at home. You're not traveling. You're not dealing with that. They shouldn't have another, you know, six-and-a-half-foot snow snowstorm. Uh, the Bills, you know, have that week to prepare for the Patriots. And I think it's going to be a great thing. I really do. And then, you know, the Bills, look, they start having some 1 o'clock games after that. They've got a bunch of games at home. they got the division rivals coming in. So this is a huge stretch, as we know. I mean, the Bills also lost – to Minnesota and the New York Jets, as we know. So the Bills have some making up to do, especially with Kansas City. They just do not stop winning. Uh, this team is an absolute f- fire hose, just pounding people uh, and and beating people in the right spots. You know, uh, the, the Chargers scored late in that game uh, the other night, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's nice. Mahomes has a you know, minute and 46. You, you know, you, don't, you think he's not going to go down, you know, the whole way? I mean, they got Mahomes, they got Andy Reid, they got Travis Kelsey. And they're the best team for me in the NFL right now. I, I think they're number one. I do. And they're a game ahead of the Bills. You know, the Bills need the Chiefs to lose um, at least one more game. You know, at least one more game. I mean, it's a really tall order to ask the Bills to win out from here. Um, I know they went on that big run, you know, last year. You know, they were 7-6. and six. They went on a huge run. A couple years ago, I think they went, um, what, 1-8 in a row maybe, if that sounds right. Uh, if they were to win out, that would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in a row to close. 
it's possible, again, one game at a time, Detroit first, Thursday, let's see what we got. But listen, if Kansas City loses one, uh, two more games, the Bills uh, can lose one more game. And then that way, they'd both be 13-4. and four. The Bills would have the tiebreak, of course. You know, I don't expect Tennessee to get that mark at 13-4, although all they do is win, 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 no matter what. Mike Vrabel, they've, they got Derrick Henry rolling right now. Uh, the game management of Ryan Tannehill has been absolutely amazing. Traylon Burks is catching the ball like A.J. Brown. The defense is feisty, ferocious, physical. So uh, I'm looking at this right now, just kind of the big picture, hoping that the Chiefs lose two more and the Bills can win every game from now until the end except one. And then the Bills at 13-4, and four, you know, they would get the tiebreak and get the home field advantage. But that's why I had said, right, a few weeks ago, if you recall, that 14-3 and three was always the number for me because Kansas City, you knew they were going to turn it on. And it's kind of funny because when the Bills beat the Chiefs, you know, this year, people just kind of forgot about the Chiefs. They're like, yeah, eh, maybe their offense is you know, is really hurting without Tyreek. Huh? Nope. I mean, it's, 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 it's an absolute juggernaut. And so, uh, you know, the Bills need to win this game against Detroit. They got to find a way. Uh, but I think some of the keys to the game that I mentioned, you know, stop the run, let that create pressure and, and to go after Jared Goff to make him beat you, make some mistakes. He holds onto the ball, throws a pick or two, right? Um, and then offensively, the Bills, you know, let's throw the balance game into it. Josh Allen, don't turn the ball over again, right? They took care of the football against Cleveland, um, you know, and, uh, and and drive down the field and, and, and get some points, you know, consistently. Um, you know, turnovers, penalties, all those things are going to be crucial, um, you know, in this game like they always are. I think this game is kind of a dogfight for a couple of quarters um, because of all those circumstances I mentioned. And, uh, you know, I think the Bills will get a couple of scores in the second half to I don't want to say pull away, but make you feel good about things, right? Uh, and I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills in this game. Um, let's go, uh, boy, it's hard to pick uh, a score here. I'm going to go I'm going to go 27 to 20 in this game. The Bills take care of business against the Detroit Lions. Um, my final thing that I will say is, first of all, I want everybody to have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, it's my favorite holiday because I just love the food. I just cannot get enough of the food. Um, you know, always eat too much, always get full, come home. You're like, Oh, I can't eat anymore. And you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll eat those leftovers because why not? Right. Um, it's just a phenomenal holiday. We have a lot to be thankful for, for sure. And my family, um, you know, with, with my daughter, who's going to be three on new year's Eve, um, you know, thankful and grateful for, for my family and friends. Um, you know, no doubt about it. Thankful and grateful for all of you out there supporting the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, Bills Mafia, the best fan base in pro sports. Um, so really thankful for all that stuff. But the food, the food, this is what I wanted to end on. So I hear people every year, right? People power rank every day. What's your number one side, your Thanksgiving side? Do you like dark meat or light meat? Do you like this? Do you like that? And... You know, if, if I had to power rank the foods, I feel like even though gravy is technically not considered like a food as an aside, like stuffing, green bean casserole, mashed potatoes, cranberry sauce, squash, all that kind of stuff, I feel like gravy 
should be one of those things because gravy is probably number one. Does it, I mean, does anybody out there have a dry meal at Thanksgiving? Really? I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't put gravy on their food. And I got to tell you, when I have gravy on my plate and it's covering all the good stuff, it's covering stuffing, potatoes, light and dark turkey, when it's covering everything, I got news for you. It changes the game, you know, compared to not having gravy. The taste of your meal, it's a game changer. So I would argue that gravy should be number one. Now, mashed potatoes, we know go amazing with gravy. So maybe it's a mashed potatoes and gravy number one, and then you can move from there and, you know, because look, we don't really, we don't eat stuffing, you know, on a regular basis here. You know, we, we don't. We eat it really at Thanksgiving. You know, if you cook up some stovetop, God bless your heart, but most people don't eat stuffing. Um, I like to go to a barbecue place here locally in central New York that they have like this turkey tom dinner that they serve like basically all the time, which is like smoked turkey. It's so good. It's a barbecue joint. It's unbelievable, unbelievable food. Um, but smoked turkey. And then I can, I, you know, in two sides, I usually get my mashed potatoes. I get my gravy and then I get like the roasted corn type of a thing. Right. But it doesn't come with stuffing. There was a place called, uh, Plainville Turkey, uh, I don't know, five minutes from where I'm sitting right now that was open for years. I used to have, um, you know, my really good friend Brock worked there for, for a long time. And you'd go there and it, it was just a complete and utter uh, uh, buffet that you could just devour whenever you wanted year round. And I miss that place because that's where I could get Thanksgiving food, right, regularly. And it was cheap. I mean, it's, you, you paid like fifteen ninety nine for a buffet and they had it all. And it wasn't just Thanksgiving food. I mean, they had like, you know, pizzas and uh, chicken and other things like that, but the predominantly it was you know it's Plainville Turkey Farm. It was it it, it was Thanksgiving food. Uh, you had your you had all your Thanksgiving food. I mean all the sides, all the dishes, and um, you know I miss that. So stuffing probably is is going to be up there. I mean I think it kind of depends on what do pe people put onions in stuffing when they make it homemade. I think I hate onions by the way. But, you know, it, it might depend on what kind of stuffing you're, you're eating uh, in terms of, like, the quality. If it's really, really quality stuffing, uh, I would probably throw stuffing right there in, you know, at number two. Uh, I'm not a cranberry sauce guy. I'll eat squash. I don't love squash. I like the green bean casserole. I know that a lot of people think that it doesn't belong on a Thanksgiving plate. But you know what, man? Whatever combs your hair back. And I say that because a lot of people have different traditions, Right. And some people grow up with Thanksgiving mac and cheese is one of their big sides. I mean, I heard, I heard that a lot this week. Never done that. Never done the mac and cheese thing. Some people do an Italian feast for Thanksgiving. Dude, why? You can have Italian food anytime you want, right? Anytime you want. You can have lasagna. You can have stuffed shells. You can make pasta at home. You can any kind of Italian. There's a million different Italian foods. And you can have them all year long. We don't eat Thanksgiving that much during the year. We have Thanksgiving basically on Thanksgiving and that's it. And that's another reason why I think it's a really special holiday. Because at Christmas, you can go ham and rice. You could go Italian. You could go pork. You could go, you know, ham, turkey, scallop, potato. You can go every di different direction for Christmas, right? We know Easter is the ham thing and all the rest. But Thanksgiving is kind of its own entity, man. We know, like, burgers and dogs for July 4th. Burgers and dogs, you know, potato salad, mac salad, uh, Pasta salad, 
you know, Memorial Day, July 4th. Okay, but I could also go and have a hot dog anytime I want at a ballpark during the summertime. I can cook hot dogs at home. I can cook hamburgers all year long at home. We don't do Thanksgiving dinner regularly. And I think that's another thing that separates this holiday. It makes it really special because the food that we're eating, we don't eat it a lot during the year. And I love that. And when you don't have something for a long time, what happens to your taste buds? It tastes better, right? So I would throw you, you know, however you want to do it, right? Like if gravy, I think, is number one. I think mashed potatoes and gravy, uh, you know, if, if you don't put gravy one, you want to lump those together, great. Then probably go with the stuffing. I'd probably go a little green bean casserole after that because it's a tradition type thing for me. And the turkey is not a side. The turkey is, without a doubt, the main uh, the main piece. It's, it, it's, it's the centerpiece of the meal. So it's not a side. So if you then change the power rankings into, uh, into uh, uh, foods, not sides, but foods, probably would go, you know, gravy or mashed potato gravy type thing still at number one. And then I'd probably go stuffing, then turkey, then green bean casserole. And then my fifth one, eh, any of those, any of those other ones would fit in there, right? So, you know, I know people said Jello. Jello has been, uh, uh, in some cases, I think I've had Jello at Thanksgiving. Um, that's that's kind of a fun side that you could you could put with your turkey. Um, so I can't wait. Can't wait for Thanksgiving. Can't wait for the football. Hope the Bills don't ruin our Thanksgiving by losing to the Lions. Uh, they need this win. They got to keep winning. They got to keep stacking wins, and I think they do. But I think it is going to be a tough game. This is a physical Detroit team with playmakers on offense. A really good run game. And uh, the Bills have got to get to the run game. They got to stuff it. They got to, you know, get after Jared Goff. I think the Bills need to put some points on the board to force Detroit to try and catch up. And then I think that could cause more Goff mistakes. 27 to 20, Bills win it over the Detroit Lions. Happy Thanksgiving to one and all. This is the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. And as I always tell you, enjoy the games.